Hello, hello. Welcome to uh, the live podcast today. I have Dr. Vita Mena with us tonight. Uh, thank you so much for joining. It is such a pleasure to have you. Uh, there's a lot of great information that you can provide to us on this podcast. So I wanted to have you on. And for those of you that do not know him, he is the sports vision director for the Optical Academy in New Jersey. He serves as advanced clinical director for Special Olympics Lions Club International Open Eyes Program for the state of New Jersey, graduated from Seton Hall, um, the BS in biology, MS in microbiology, um, received his uh, optometry degree from Salus in 2014, and is the board of directors for the State Association for New Jersey. In 2019, awarded a Young Optometrist of the Year, and in 2020, received a public service award uh, from Salus and is also serves as the AOA Sports and Performance Vision Committee. And as a regular contributor to Review of Optometric Business Magazine and you know uh, lectures on nutrition, contact lenses, myopia management, concussion management, sports vision, and finance, and currently holds a 214 life and variable annuity license, as well as a series six and series 63 investment licenses in 15 states. So welcome, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Can't wait to uh, dive in and, and share some knowledge. Yeah. So you're you're you know you do a lot in the industry. Um, what inspires you to give back so much? Um, well, I guess how I was raised and how I grew up. So I went into optometry really because of the sports aspect of it. There's a small little niche of sports vision, and so it's all about eye hand coordination because the eyes really lead the body. And so once I got into optometry school, uh, there was a, a program called obviously Special Olympics and it's Special Olympics is all about sports. And so I was always I would always go to church. And I was always give back when I was little. And so this was like the ultimate thing. I got to mix both of them, because when you go to Special Olympics, you're volunteering your time, you're, you're upping your skills in a way you don't see these things normally in clinic when you're with the special needs population. And so um, it's nice that they get a free eye exam. We can't call it a comprehensive eye exam. It's really a screening because they're not getting dilated. Um, but we're doing that. And then we're also giving them a free pair of either um, non-prescription sunglasses or we're giving them sports goggles or a free pair of glasses that are done through the donors. Um, so just that is and, and seeing their faces light up because a lot of times in, in our profession and not just in optometry, just in the medical profession in general or even audiology or whatnot, um, the special needs population is, ne is not really cared for that much just because number one, the insurance, we might not take it or we just don't, we're not comfortable seeing special needs. So for, for me to be in part of that population and to give back is, 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 is wonderful and I, I just love it. That's great. Yeah, it's, you know, well, being an optometrist is part of something bigger, right? I mean, we're yeah. all, we're about helping people and if you have the ability to do so and you love it, why not, right? So you, you do a lot and, and you give back to optometry itself too, right? Um, you know, you lectured at the AOA in Chicago, the pop-up series for the students, talking about finance. And I think finance is a big topic now in our industry. It's, um, uh, you know, student loans and, and things like that. Um, give us a little bit about that lecture and some, you know, key points that we can take from this podcast from that lecture. Yeah, sure. So the title of that lecture was um, Never Broke Again. It was the NBA. So um, the NBA All-Star Teams, Never Broke Again. And so pretty much what I wanted to instill into the students, because what do the students come out with? Massive amounts of debt. And so when I was talking to many of the optometry schools, I would say about 90% of students actually borrow. So they actually have loans coming out of school. 
The other 10%, either they either got a scholarship or their parents planned way ahead and was able to pay for it fully, or their parents are just loaded with as a doctor and they're just able to pay it for them. So they have a big advantage to accumulate wealth if they don't have much student loans. So a lot of times students are always asking these questions, or you even see them yourself, either in corporate optometry or, or optometry or ODs on Facebook. You see students about to enter optometry school and they're asking these questions like, I would love to be an optometrist, but does it make sense for me financially to become an optometrist because I got to do four years, the amount of loans I got to take out, should I do a different career path, right? And so obviously, whenever you're going to do a job or a career, you want to be passionate about it because whatever you you do on an everyday basis, it doesn't feel like you're working if you're passionate for that. So what I wanted to instill in them at a young age is that time is their biggest asset, right? So in school, what are we taught all the time? Go to school, get good grades, get a good job. What? To live a good life. But that's half of the equation. If our biggest asset is time, well, we really should really know how to be efficient when it comes to our money. And so it's not about how much money you make. It's really how much you keep and how efficient you are with it. So really, you got to play the tax game on top of that. So I'm not an accountant, so I can't really give like tax advice. But my advice is you want to minimize your debt as quickly as possible. So what happens is, is that once you get out of optometry school, where do we hound it with all the time? Debt consolidators. Debt consolidators, they don't really care about getting you out of debt. They just want you to shift your debt to them and then they just pay them a lower rate, right? Why do you think they always give them incentives? You want a thousand bucks for signing up? You think they're just giving you free money to give you free money? It's not the case. It's a billion dollar industry when it comes to debt consolidators. Most people say there's good debt and bad debt. Well, debt is debt, right? So most people say, well, a house is a good debt. Okay, but what happens if your house gets foreclosed? Is that good or bad? Terrible, right? So people who say, oh, I'm a homeowner, really you're not a homeowner until your house is fully paid off because who really owns your house is the bank, right? And so we got we to gotta teach our, our colleagues how to win the game when it comes to money, how to be efficient with our money. So how do we do that? So there's a house that I would like to, I, I would create for people. So you have to build a foundation. And how do we even build that foundation? So what I'll say as an analogy, so Maria, I'll ask you this question. If you were to build your own house from scratch, like your kitchen's going to look like this, your bathroom looks like that. Do they just start building the house or do they come up with a blueprint first? Yeah, blueprint. Blueprint, right? So why when, when it comes to money, we just wing it for the next 20, 30 years. We don't come up with a blueprint to make sure that we win the game financially. And the answer really to that is that we don't even realize that there's a blueprint to create. And so another analogy I like to use is like, you're in Rhode Island and I'm in New Jersey. If you just told me to come visit you at your house, what is the key question I have to ask? Where's the address? What's the address, right? What's the destination that I need to get to to get to where you're at? Because if you told me I live in Rhode Island and I start driving to Rhode Island, I kind of knock on every single house in order to find you. Right. So the same thing with money. It doesn't matter how hard you work or how much money you make. It's how efficient you are with your money, because if you lock in that destination, now it's game on. Now you just follow that path. Right. And same thing with money. So the foundation to somebody's house is what's called income protection. The only thing that could protect your income is what's called life insurance. Now, in the industry, you're going to see a lot of different um, people talk to you about life insurance, especially because we're professionals. You make a lot of money because we're eye doctors. Right. We're upper middle class. So most of these people or the finance people or um, life insurance agents, what are they going to sell you? They're going to sell you the most expensive products they have. And hopefully you never use it. Have a nice day. Not only that, but they sell you two types of life insurance because they're trying to get you to to invest your money. But they're, they're investing it in the wrong type of vehicle. Right. So, again, it's not about you can have a Ferrari and you can have a Land Rover. Well, which one's better? Well, you're going to pick, obviously, the Ferrari. Right. 
But what happens if you're off-roading? Are you picking a Ferrari to go off-roading? No, it depends on where is your go-to avenue, right? So in the future, like, well, what do you want in life? When do you want to retire? A lot of people don't even realize when they want to retire. Now, retire means work because you want to, not because you have to. So income protection is the foundation to somebody's house. When you come into whole life or um, term, you're going to see those are the biggest ones that are sold to the public. The one that you want only is term insurance. The reason why is because every extra dollar that you want, you want to invest it in, your, in yourself into the market because the market has done very well historically. When you have a whole life policy, these are the four evils they don't tell you in the industry. Evil number one, the first three years, if you look at your policy, there's either no money growing in your investments, or if it is, it's very minimal. The reason why is because it goes to the commission to the agents that are selling those products. That's evil number one. Evil number two, let's say, for example, um, you're investing whatever the amount of money is. Some of that money is coming out, going into the investments, right? Let's say you want to borrow because you could borrow that am amount of money inside. Let's say there's 50000 in the account. Well, you have to pay an interest. You're essentially taking a loan out on your own money. Those Usually those loan percentages are about 5% five, 5 or so, right? Um, number two is, is the stock market, the S&P 500 for the past 80 years has actually averaged 11.5%. When you're investing in a whole life policy or a universal life policy or a variable policy, you're actually earning about three to four percent, if that. Right. So you're leaving a lot of money on the table. And then the last evil is that let's say, God forbid, you were to die. And let's just say your death benefit is two hundred and fifty thousand. Right. But your cash value is one hundred thousand. I'm just making up numbers. If you were to pass away, it's one or the other. It's not both. Right? A lot of people don't even realize those things. And I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to go and look at your policy and see what, what I'm telling you is true. Because, again, people lie all the time, but numbers never lie. So if you were to look at that and you're, if you're leaving a lot of money on the table, that's hindering you from growth. Because compounding interest, as Albert Einstein once said, is the eighth greatest wonder of the world. Those who understand it earn it and those who don't lose it. Right. So time is your biggest asset. So imagine knowing how to invest or knowing to do with money when you're 18 or even sooner than that how life-changing someone's life can be or how you can actually become generational, generationally wealthy. So we always say these beautiful words. I want to be financially free, financially independent, generational wealth. Well, those are all beautiful English words when this is ultimately a math problem. And so we have to understand how math works. So going back to that house, income protection is the foundation because if God forbid you don't have it, the house collapses. Next level to someone's house is what's called an emergency fund. So when I speak about an emergency fund, when I talk to colleagues or just anybody in general, in their minds, an emergency fund is just money sitting in a bank, right? They have 50000 in the bank. But when you have money sitting in the bank, you're actually losing money every year. But you're like, wait, time out. How am I losing money if it's in the bank? Well, because of inflation. So inflation is known as like the stealth tax. Historically, inflation is about 3%. Right now, it's through the roof. It's like 9.1% or something like that. But that's unheard of. For the past four years, inflation has been 4%. So if the banks are giving you peanuts to the dollar, that's number one. If you're at your job and you don't get a raise at your job, you're essentially losing or making less money than you did the next year. That's number two of the house. Number three is retirement. So you either have a 401k at work or 403b or the work for or the government, the 403b, and then an IRA. Next level is kids. Well, there's different accounts you can open up for children. There's a 529, an UGMA, and a Coverdell. Two of them are for school functions, and the other ones, they can do whatever they want with it. 
next level to a house is goals and dreams. Maybe a goal and dream of yours is to have a house in Miami, or maybe you want to open up three practices. Whatever it is that you want to do, that's your goals and dreams. It's anything not related to retirement. And the, the roof of the house is really what protects all the assets. And that's what's called a will. And a will is what tells, well, where do your assets go after you're not here anymore, right? Who gets what, what gets what, all that stuff, right? And then the, the last thing is the chimney. And the chimney is debt. The reason why the chimney is debt is because you want to burn up that debt as fast as possible so that you can supercharge every single level of that house so that you're generationally wealthy. And so we have to create that blueprint and we got to make sure we look how it looks because if you don't understand all the numbers of how, they, how, how they're supposed to be done, you're just going to be continuously grinding and just you might be doing the right things, but no one's doing everything 100%. So if you're doing something 98%, you want to know that extra 2%. Or let's say you are doing 100% of the way. Well, then high five. That's amazing. That's good information still because you want to know that you're doing everything correctly. So that's kind of the conversations that I usually have for people and I'll, I'll tend to build stuff from there. So I know I spoke a lot on that, but. No, that's great. I mean, that gave us, you know, all the things that we should be looking out for. I think people focus on one thing, let's say more, uh, you know, student debt, then they focus on buying a house or maybe like then they'll look at a 401k after the fact. But if they did it earlier, um, then that's the case. Or I talked to a lot of ODs and, and, and some of them that might need to purchase the practice might not have any money. Um, but I said, well, you were making a lot of money. One doctor I was speaking to and I said, well, how much were you making a year? Well, I was general and sublease, 300,000. And, but you know, what did you save? What we know didn't save any money, you know? And, and, and sometimes you just got to cut back sometimes just to save some money and, and see what your goals are to what you want or kind of right. have an emergency fund or something happens. If you lose a business, you get terminated. So these are all important things. How did you get into this? How did you become financially literate and how did you get licensed? What's your passion for this? Because I think a lot of doctors have this income and they don't know how to you know stabilize that you said and, and have it. Sure. There's a lot of doctors now that I'm look, buying, looking to buy practices. They're waiting on this practice sale for retirement where it might not be that that yeah. option. Anymore. Yes, it's correct. You know, so um, this actually fell in my lap. Um, I didn't go out looking for it. I know it's very important. So I actually had a family friend um, reach out to me and they're like, you know, you're pretty influential. A lot of people tend to respond to you or listen to you. And I think this is well, it's an important topic anyway. So he came across to me and I was like, well, I'm a doctor. I don't really personally care about finance. But then as I thought about it, I'm like, well, now I'm being stubborn because I need to know it regardless. Right. Because it's just the way in the world works. Right. It's all about politics, sports and, and how money is generated. Right. Just how the, the world works, sadly. Um, and so uh, I was able to get a sponsorship. And, and so they got me a sponsorship and I was able to to get um, legit license. So like you can get licensed. You just have to be backed by a financial institution. So let's say, for example, if you were to be a bank teller, you can actually work up your ranks in the bank and then you apply to take those those licenses. But they just got to accept you to take it. So I was just fortunate enough that I knew somebody in the industry that was able to help me out and, and, and get me there. Um, so that was something that that happened during the pandemic when everything was going haywire. People, everyone's losing their jobs because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Right. And so. Um, Having that as a as as a resource just for myself, because now that I'm knowledgeable on the topic, now no one's really going to mess with me because I understand how the world works. Just like we're all optometrists. I know the ins and outs of how contact lenses work and the lens industry works and all that stuff. Right. We know how that works. Well, now I know how it's on the inside. Right. Because when it comes to finance, it builds like a segregated culture in a way because it, it's a sales culture in a way. Number one is because if I was a finance guy, what do you think I'm going to tell you? You need to invest. Who cares about your debt or anything else? 
If I'm a debt consolidator, just shift your debt to me. Don't worry about that, right? <clears throat> and um, if I was a life insurance agent, like I said before, I'm selling you that most expensive product, right? And so for me, I'm like a one-stop shop for people's money. The only thing that I'm not is I'm not an accountant. The biggest tool, the, the thing that revolutionized and changed my life was that there's that I have a program that I'm able to show people based on math how to minimize their debts, student loans, mortgages, credit cards, whatever, you name it. I'm going to show you based on math how to minimize that. After you find that out, and once you have the math working in your favor, now does it make sense to, to consolidate your loans? Because if you have the game plan now, knowing what to do with your money, now it's game on. Now it's balls in your court instead of their court, right? So you got to see what that looks like first. And the cool thing is I don't even charge for that stuff. You can just come and have a conversation with me. I'll show you how that works. And you you want to utilize me? Great. You want to utilize your, your, your personal person that you're using at home? Great. It doesn't matter. But knowledge is power. But that's the, that's the normal adage, right? But it's not really knowledge is power. It's the application of that knowledge. Because if you know the knowledge and you're not applying it to anything, then what is it for, right? So that's that's the biggest, I guess, advice or takeaway I would get. Yeah, I mean, I think that's great. I mean, there's a lot of people in the industry trying to profit on, you know, optometrist debt and things like that. And, and you're offering advice for free, giving yourself the you know time out there. And you're a busy guy. And so for I would take advantage for young ODs to, to kind of reach out to you. Um, and especially you being licensed, you have the knowledge and the expertise and you can um, give advice. Um, it's, you know, you're licensed to do so. There's others that kind of just, you know, give out information and they're not experts. Um, sure. So I think people should, from this podcast, um, take advice and, and contact you, either private message you or um, what is it? Do you give out an email address or? Oh, they could always contact me via email. Um, Facebook, they could always contact me. My email address is my last name. So Mena, M-E-N-A. And then V as in Victor, I-T-T at gmail.com. So again, Menavit at gmail.com. Um, and then I could always give you my cell number. You could always uh, text me. If you were to call, I probably won't pick up. But if you text me, you could always do that. It's 201-575-1510. Again, 201-575-1510. Um, or you could, if you're friends with me on Facebook or you can add me on Facebook, I'll be happy to have a conversation with you. Um, you know, again, it's really just coming down with that knowledge. And then after you, you have that knowledge, it's up to you to decide whatever you want to do with it, because, you know, it's, it's your life. You got to make sure that you understand the tools that are at, that you're at your disposal, because if you have all those tools at your advantage, you're going to win the game. Yeah. Now you also hold the license for series six and 63 investments. Can, can you explain that for the, uh, most of <clears> us that don't know what that is? Yeah, yeah, sure. So the six, the series six allows me to do um, investments in the actual state that you're in. So since I'm in New Jersey, um, I can do investments in New Jersey. Um, uh, the 63 allows me to do investments throughout the country. So the only thing is that I passed the exams for that. The only thing is I have to apply for a license in that state. So currently I hold 15 state licenses. So let's say, for example, you're in a state that I don't have a license. I could still give you information, but let's say you were to utilize me and you wanted to do something with me. I would just have to apply for a license. And that takes about anywhere between a week to maybe a month or so. So don't don't feel shy if I'm not in your state. That's that's an easy that's an easy fix. So, so what are I always, some, always get good. I'm sorry. What are some investments that you would do that you've done with some ODs currently? Yeah. So there's IRAs. There's um, Upmara Ugma accounts for kids. You know, help them with life insurance, um, emergency funds. You know, kind of like that house is pretty much. Um, I've helped people with wills. Not me personally, because in order to do a will, 
Um, you have to be a lawyer, obviously. Um, but I just have many resources um, that I at my disposal that I can utilize. So when it comes to the investments, I'm not just focusing on one investment. I hold there's many different brokerages out there. So it could be Fidelity, Vanguard, um, Franklin Templeton, Leg Mason, um, Invesco, you name it, I got it. So um, it's it's a pretty cool, like I said, a one stop shop. I like to correlate everything to to sports. And so insurance, when you have insurance, whether it be health insurance, malpractice insurance, life insurance, disability insurance, it doesn't matter. Um, insurance is defense and your investments is offense. You need both of them to win the game, right? And so when it comes to life insurance, life insurance is really meant for just a window of time because once you have enough money to sustain yourself or you don't have really any more debt anymore, do you really need life insurance anymore? No. If you guys won the lottery tomorrow, you don't need life insurance. Life insurance is really to help you, God forbid, something were to happen. And well, can can your significant other afford the house that you're living in? Or, you know, just giving you different examples, right? So there's got to be a certain number. It's not like a certain calculation. Oh, you make 100000 a year, you make 200000 a year. Okay, let's times that by 10 or let's times that by 25. And that's what your amount is what you should need, right? It's, it's not a, it's not a, that kind of game. It's got to be personable with the person. You got to find out what their actual needs are. Do they even need it? And then go from there. So it's a whole, it's like a, a holistic approach when it comes to finance. Yeah. So when you spoke at the AOA, what were some, what are some questions that the students asked? Was it mostly student loan stuff? I mean, were, was there other things that they looked at? Cause a lot of them are, you know, like you say, good and bad debt is what the, some of the conversations come up, but debt is debt. And you know, if, if they wanted to buy a practice is sometimes is that debt worth it or, or, you know, buying a house. And and some of the ODs that I, I talked to, you know, they buy houses that are much bigger, more than what that I think a lot can afford, unfortunately. And, um, sure. you know, take that debt also buy the Mercedes when they come right. out of school. Um, sure. that maybe it should have just been a Toyota for a little bit. Yeah, it could be. Well, it, it comes down to, well, everybody's different. You know, we don't know their circumstances, whether their family's rich or not, or whatever it is. But um, do they have the ability to is really the question. If they have the ability to go for it. But if you don't, well, you got to come back. If not, you're going to be struggling because if you don't go to work and what happens if you got you got let go, or you got sick. Right. And you don't have a type of policy that gives you money. Right. Then you're in trouble. Right. So people don't look at that. They don't look at the, the consequences because you never want to think negatively. You always want to think positively for your life, but God forbid something were to happen. That's why I say in, um, insurance is defense, just a protective measure. And then you have your investments working for you. So my, my biggest advice on the podcast would be to invest as early as possible and as much as you can, um, because time is your biggest asset. If you What happens is, is as, as students or just in the general population, once you graduate from school, what happens? Well, now you start to have to worry about paying back your student loans. And then what happens? Well, most likely you'll get married. And what else happens? You got to buy a house and you're going to buy a car. So when does the debt ever stop? It doesn't. Right. So unless you know how to how to work it properly. You're really just going to be hustling and grinding until your 60s. Now, it's a different story because we like what we do and we make more money than a lot of people. But the sad truth is that most Americans, if you make a dollar, you're spending a dollar ten. Right. You're never living below your means. So let's say, for example, like, oh, I'll be rich when I make more money. But now you make more money. You're like, well, let me just go remodel the kitchen now. Right? That's correct. Yeah. So, or if you have kids. Yeah. When you have kids, you never have money. So, or you yeah, always exactly. need more money. You always need more money. So uh, my kids are older, mine are 9 and 11. And, and, but before it's like daycare as you pay for that. But now they're older and they don't need that. And, and, um, but now there's other expenses there, you know, so it's things like that. So 
yeah, um, kids are also something that a lot of us, you know, want to have and have, and it's additional oh, yeah. Yeah. finances on, on, on you and, and your family as well. Right. So again, going back to that house, you know, so most of our money, I would say majority of our money is sitting in a bank. And let's say you have it at a credit union. So you're like, oh, I have my money in a credit union better than a bank. Well, you're still earning less than the inflation rate. So you're still losing money. So there's a way to properly structure an emergency fund in the market where it's not volatile and you're earning between where inflation rates are. And so most people don't even know those exist and I'm able to help them with that. And so, um, you know, not going into too much detail because, you know, certain things I can and can't say, but, um, but yeah, that's, it, that's the biggest advice I would tell you, because if you have an emergency fund and, and you need it, let's say your emergency fund is 10 or 30,000 or whatever the number is. Well, now you have some money instead of like going into credit card debt, right? Or you're pulling from your 401k because you just don't have any money, right? So what happens is if you pull from your 401k, you just halt the compound. And so those are things that, those are big no-nos that we want to try to avoid. So if you have the house properly structured, you're bulletproof. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I think a lot of great information. Um, sure. It's so great to see, you know, an OD um, giving back to the community, you know, helping, willing to help ODs, not to charge ODs um, to get ahead because together we build a stronger foundation for optometrists, better for our, you know, the community, better for uh, future optometry as well, um, and better for, you know, to build um, camaraderie and optometry and, and, and stronger future optometrists as well yeah, for sure thank you yeah so much. i appreciate yeah i appreciate your time thank you so much for having me i, I love it i can't wait to to continue and and uh, ask any questions you have in the future i'll be happy to help thank you so much yeah for sure until the next one guys